Hey everyone, Dan Wise is with us and he is the founder of RDAP Dan. It's a federal prison time consulting firm. He successfully navigated the federal prison system himself, culminating in his early release. Dan created a proprietary success method combining the strengths of an experienced prison consultant and a registered coach to guide his clients through a process focused on possible sentence reduction. We're going to talk to him today about his experience and um, hopefully, you know, give some hope out there for people who are in the prison system for, you know, a various number of reasons and are looking for some help along the way. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? the intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me. And now with our network of podcasters, just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Dan, thanks so much for agreeing to come on the show. Thank you very much. I'm looking very forward to it, Kristen. Yeah. So, you know, we have, and I know you're going to, do a show with the wonderful Rob Lohman, who does Beyond the Bars radio on the network. And, um, we, but we haven't had someone with exactly your skill set talking. And I know some people might, uh, as you, I'm sure you've already dealt with, some people might think, well, why should people that are in prison get any kind of help? So I want to bust through that um, kind of stereotypical thinking that's out there um, first with you know, what do you say when people kind of come at you with some negativity or bias around just that? You know, I've been pretty fortunate. It hasn't been a whole lot of that, but that usually comes from the mindset of what they hear and see through media that mm -hmm. everybody that potentially is going to go to prison must have either murdered somebody, raped somebody, or definitely knew 100% what they were doing could possibly send them to prison. And that's just not the reality. You know, there's a lot of really good people out there that find themselves in some situations where they make a series of poor choices, not necessarily thinking they can end up in prison, but yet still making poor choices nonetheless, and end up taking a plea agreement to avoid lengthier sentences. And a lot of times when you accept those plea agreements, you're basically saying you did what the government's saying you did. Right, right, exactly. And is it usually because they don't have the benefit of good counsel, you know, because of financial issues? You know, when you're dealing with individuals that are on the state side of things, meaning, you know, not federal cases, when you deal with state cases, 
that could be a very strong possibility. Uh, when you cannot afford legal defense on the state side, you end up getting a state public defender, which is usually overworked. They don't have the same level of competency that a private attorney may have on the state side. However, when you're facing federal indictments or federal charges, which is 99% of what I deal with, whether you have a high-priced private federal attorney or you have an appointed federal attorney that you pay nothing for, you really have very little chance at winning when you go up against the federal government. They have a 98% success rate on convictions. So it really becomes, do you take the plea agreement they're offering you, which will usually result in a much shorter sentence, or do you go to trial and likely lose where you could potentially be facing 15 to 20 years? Mm. Right, exactly. So in terms of what you do, how are you helping families and an individual through this process? Sure. So individuals find me mostly through our YouTube channel over at uh, RDAP Dan. And that channel kind of started as a passion project more than anything else. It was a hobby prior to myself going into the federal prison system. You know, I myself was sentenced to 42 months federal prison for conspiracy to distribute. I worked for a doctor that was over prescribing pain meds. And my entire process out on pre-trial, which is basically like bond, mm -hmm. there was just days and days and days of not knowing what was next, not knowing what to expect. I had all of these questions for my attorney that always felt like they didn't really get answered. Uh, I didn't have any idea of what to actually expect once I possibly went into the prison system. So a couple of days before I actually self-surrendered to my prison sentence for 42 months, I posted a video on YouTube just kind of talking about my situation, my story, what I did, and I wasn't really taking accountability at that point, but nonetheless, I posted the video, I went to prison, I came out of prison, and that video had quite a bit of traffic from first-time nonviolent offenders slash white-collar individuals that were also preparing to possibly go to prison for the first time. And they had all the same fears, the same concerns I had. A lot of them were also thinking about possibly committing suicide and going on the run and lying to their children about what they actually did. So we started responding to the comments with videos instead of just responding through messages. We started making response videos talking about my situation, my experience, what prison was actually like, things that I wish I had done differently while I was out on pretrial. So a lot of the work that we do with individuals and their families is really the sentencing mitigation, what they can do now to receive the best possible outcome and how they can get their their mindset right with the level of the, the mental anguish that they go through on the mental health section of this really does test your ability to stay functioning. Right. So dealing, dealing with them, getting them to focus on day by day, taking don't take on more than you can really carry, how you should explain this to your children, the importance of taking responsibility and showing accountability for what it is that you did do to allow yourself to get through the grieving process and realize that you're actually not alone in this process. As embarrassing and a shame as you may feel from this, the minute you start opening up and telling the truth about what you actually did and the role that you did play in the crime that was committed, 
people are more forgiving than the average person would imagine. They almost relate to you with stories of either something that happened to them or indirectly through a family member. So it really does bring the community together. So in terms of, and I say this from friends of mine that have gone through this experience, their bank accounts were frozen. They literally, you know, had no access to anything uh, in terms of, uh, other than some of the contents of their home. And they also didn't have a job anymore while they were, you know, going through the trial process and awaiting sentencing. So how do you, you know, talk to people about that, you know, when sometimes it's the chief breadwinner and now all of a sudden you've got no access to anything. Yeah, you know, it's very common to see the federal government come in and seize your assets, freeze your accounts, and it can completely turn your life upside down because now you possibly can't make mortgage payments. You can't make your regular bill payments that you've been used to making for the course of a period of time. Uh, the best way we can work with them through that is hopefully they have a support system in place of family and friends that can help them. But if they do not, it can be a very, very trying time. Uh, I can tell you it's not very common for individuals to have all of their assets taken. Uh, there, It is very common to see sizable assets taken, to see money frozen, but usually there is enough left for them to survive on, whether it be credit cards or a spousal income. It's not that common that we see them completely drained of all of their financial assets. Okay, and then how about you know the counseling process? What do you do in terms of you know referring them somewhere to someone who would understand that's an actual counselor, or um, you know just guide them through? Look, this is how you're potentially going to feel going through this? So we've been really fortunate with the team that we've been able to build. Uh, we have a couple of individuals on our team, one person by the name of Jenny Good, who is a uh, licensed life coach slash women's, I don't even, it's more of a mindset coach than anything. She's mm -hmm. got several different degrees in this area. And then we also employed a woman by the name of Diane Carpenter, who's a chemical dependency professional slash therapist who does a lot of work with helping them go through and identify what they may be struggling with, whether it's drinking issues or prescriptions that they've been taking, other possible illicit drugs. But a lot of the actual coaching and therapy takes place with Jenny Good, who does weekly sessions with them on how they can really take control of their life through not focusing so much on the negative, but focusing on what they actually do have control over and we create techniques and we use a lot of tools in place to help them focus on what's positive in their life and how they can actually find the silver lining in this, how this could potentially bring them closer to their family. A lot of families, not just people getting ready to go to prison, a lot of families are so busy with the hustle and the bustle and the day to day that they really don't find a lot of time to communicate with loved ones and spouses. And this is extremely trying, not just for the individual that might be going to prison, but for their spouse and their children who completely feel lost and alone because they really have no idea how to interact with somebody that is possibly looking at a prison sentence. I know when I was personally going through this, I, there was a long period of time where I put myself into a victim mentality where I felt like this wasn't fair, I don't deserve this. And what it did was it pushed me away from everybody else because 
the problems that were going on in their life, they didn't know how to approach me with what they were dealing with because they felt like, well, man, Dan's going through so much already. The last thing I want to do is tell him about my bad day. And then you've got resentment that starts growing and it just puts more and more distance between your loved ones. And then once you do go away to prison, you've created such a distance. That's where we see a lot of the relationships fall apart. So we work on the bringing the relationships closer and closer. And we really include the family members, the spouses in a lot of these sessions that we have with them, getting an active line of communication started now versus rather than later. And are you available as much as you can be after someone has gone into prison? You mean for the spouses or for the, uh, well, I know you are, I'm sure you are for the spouses and the family, but I mean for the person that, you know, is being incarcerated. Oh yeah. Uh, every package we offer includes the coaching while they're in prison as well. So there's a, in the, in the federal system, there's a program called core links, which is basically what you would use to email with your loved ones. We have every single one of our clients is added in core links and we communicate with them automatically every week and a half to two weeks, finding out what classes they're in, what they're struggling with, good days, bad days, what classes we want to see them complete, what programs we want to see them complete. And this is all done in preparation to build progress reports on what they've done with their time. So when the time comes to maybe go back to a judge and ask for a recommendation of additional halfway house or special placement, we can really illustrate what the individual has done above and beyond what the average person in the same situation may be doing. So you offer this guide to help them get through it so that they're not alone when they're there. Completely. We actually call it our roadmap to success. Mm. Sounds pretty cheesy, I know. but <laughs> That's interesting. You know, I, and how is it, you know, how are prisons, uh, you know, in terms of you and this communication? Are they open to this? Are they, have you had backlash? We haven't had any backlash. We've actually had more support than anything. We've had Good. residential drug abuse coordinators within the prison that are basically prison psychologists that advocate what we do. They've asked us to even come back and speak to other inmates about life after prison. And, you know, you don't have to be defined by this journey, what you can do now to start putting the pieces in place for later. And that's the problem is people are so focused on, they need everything to happen right now. So we, we get stuck in this immediate gratification where, well, if I don't see results today, what's the point of putting in the effort? Right. So when we can get these individuals to really see this as a chess game where everything that they're doing now could play a massive role six months to two years down the road, when those individuals pick up what we're trying to explain to them and they really start to grasp it, uh, we can do everything under the sun, but if somebody's not willing to work with us, it becomes a, a frivolous effort to the point where most of our clients that have been very successful, I wish we could take all the credit for it, but really they read the roadmap and they just followed the path that's been proven to work for so many others. Mm. So how about those challenging clients? Um, where, at what point do you, you know, say, we just can't, we can't help you? You know, we don't really ever tell anybody, hey, you're disengaged, we can't help you. Okay. Uh, we do tell them is, hey, right now you're not in the state of mind to where this is going to be valuable to you but the door is open we'll still shoot you an email from time to time and when you're at that point where you're ready then we're here for you because i know for myself growing up as a child you know my mother my friends mothers even other friends have all told me hey dan 
you keep doing these dumb things, you're going to win prizes. And I never really listened. And then finally, once all of this really became serious for me and I was sitting in prison and I was reading, actually I was reading a Tony Robbins book, Awaken the Giant Within, that my friend's mother sent me. Something just clicked as if it was the first time I had ever heard it, even though it had been beaten down my throat six billion other times. So we look at it as, you know, nobody's a lost cause. If you can plant these seeds, you really don't know when a seed is going to take root, uh, hopefully sooner than later, but everybody grows at a different rate. Right. That's very true. That's very true. And what someone, you know, that looks like they grow at light speed, sometimes, you know, they're, they're burning out and it's the tortoise that, that made it across the finish line. So you, you just never, you never know. Absolutely. Well, in terms of um, how you support the families after someone's incarcerated, how does that support continue? So we've created groups where we'll get together with them through either a Facebook group or a private chat group. Just answering their questions, it's mostly pretty early on when an individual goes into prison. That's probably the pivotal point where a lot of testing happens to the family because that's when all of their biggest fears now come to uh, come to the forefront where they're like, all right, this is what we've been talking about. He's now in prison or she's now in prison. I've got to pick up where they left off. I'm the breadwinner now. I'm the one taking care of the kids. I'm the one paying all the bills, doing the grocery shopping. So making sure that they understand that there's really no room for resentment. And a lot of the times, specifically with women, they'll talk to their husbands that are now in a low custody prison camp type of an atmosphere. And the husband may be like, oh, I just got done doing yoga. I'm getting ready to go walk the track. You know, it's like these things that you don't really imagine being in prison, but in a low custody, nonviolent type of a prison atmosphere, that's what goes on. And when you're hearing this, you're getting in shape, they're eating right, they're taking fitness classes, they're really focusing on their mindset. Now the wife is at home carrying all of the weight. It can be a very devastating, trying time. And most of the women that we speak to, they really find themselves in this because a lot of the white collar wives, they've always been in the role of just a submissive housewife slash mother taking the kids to, you know, sporting events, things like that, to where they've never dealt with this. And they're very, very apprehensive of how they're going to deal with it. But the minute they start doing it, it really builds this level of confidence. And we hear it so many times from many of these wives that they're like, things are going to be different when my husband returns. And we ask them, well, what do you mean by that? Well, no longer am I going to be a dormant housewife. I'm going to be his partner. I'm going to know what's going on with the finances. I'm going to continue to pay bills. I'm not going to turn over my paycheck. They want to, they're seeing themselves for the value that they have to offer, which is more as an equal than it is as I'm just here to do what you need. And not every situation ends the same. Some women find that inner strength and the man is not able to handle that. Right. And you see relationships go sideways, but it's growth and not everybody grows at the same rate. Right, exactly. I know I, I can see exactly what you're talking about. So the transition back home from being in prison, when you've got all of those dynamics going on, um, what kinds of things do you see in terms of the support that's needed for both sides and the kids? When that happens with our active client clients, meaning we've been working with them throughout the duration, 
we definitely prepare them for that because one of the things that happens when you're in prison, your mind goes to these crazy places where you have all of these glorifying thoughts about what you're going to do when you get out. You're immediately going to get out. You're going to go start your new business. You're going to open up your real estate company. You're going to buy and flip houses. And you forget that there's going to be many new hurdles once you're released from the Bureau of Prisons. The average person released from prison doesn't just go straight from prison to home. They go from prison to a federal halfway house, to home confinement, to probation, then they're released. All of these additional hurdles, they all have stipulations to what you can and can't do. Jobs you're allowed to have, hours you're allowed to be out of the house. So really preparing somebody that, hey, as much as it's great that you have all of this ambition to go out and do these amazing things, you have to be prepared for the tools that we're teaching you how to use to deal with adversity because there's going to be a lot of roadblocks that are thrown your way. People are going to say, well, you're a felon. We're not going to hire you. The halfway house may say, "Uh, you can't own your own business till you're finished with the halfway house. Your probation officer may say, I'm not going to approve you to open up a bank account or a business account until you're off of probation. So you have to be willing to look at this as, is it fair? Is it unfair? It's completely irrelevant. It's part of the consequence. (laughs) that you have to deal with from the earlier actions that you made that landed you into the situation. So working with the families, letting them know, hey, this is gonna be a real trying time when he gets released, he's going to want to move a million miles an hour and he's not going to be able to. So you have to be prepared for a little bit of, of nerves and anxiety and frustration because things aren't going to happen at your own beck and call. Uh, Specifically white collar individuals, a lot of them have been very used to calling the shots through the majority of their adult professional life. When you enter the prison system, it's an even playing field. Uh, You might be sitting there bunked up with a guy that's making 10 bucks an hour while you're making $10 million a year. And unless you're paying him to, you know, keep the cell clean and do your cooking, you guys are on an equal playing field. There's, you have nothing that he doesn't have and vice versa. Most people find this as a humbling experience. And if they can choose to embrace that, it allows you to interact with people that you never imagined interacting with. And you can truly find messages and you're able to learn from people that you never would have given a second look prior to this happening. The same thing happens once you go home. You may have to take a job for a period of time that you typically wouldn't have taken in the past in order to show what you've learned to be able to prove yourself and work yourself back up through the ranks. You don't just pick up where you left off in most cases. Let me ask you this, because when I hear you talking, there's, there's certain words and such that you use where I'm like, oh yeah, this guy has really... Not that I'm the barometer of, of someone else's personal growth, but, you know, I could hear you saying things. You really had an awakening out of this and you really took the challenge on of I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to grow. And now you're, you know, you're giving back. So what, what do you, how do you work with someone? And this is, this is an offbeat question, but how do you work with someone where you just know that they don't get it yet? They don't even get a wisp of it yet. And you are over here at this place because you've been through all this stuff and done all this growth. How do you kind of dial it back down to a place where someone who really just doesn't get it yet can still hear you? Oh, that's my PhD in patience. <laughs> uh, you know, what it, what it really is, is 
I know when somebody thinks, okay, I'm going to hire Dan or I'm going to hire a prison consultant, their initial intention is I either don't want to go to prison or I want to get the shortest possible sentence, which is fine. That's what everybody wants. Uh, same thing. And I'm going to answer your question, but I'm just going to kind of explain no how I got, how I got to there. So, for example, the program RDAP, the Residential Drug Addiction Program, it's a 500-hour cognitive behavior therapy program that if you successfully complete the program, it can reduce your sentence by up to 12 months. You have to be able to qualify for that program by having a verifiable substance abuse disorder prior to being charged with the, the crime in, in play. So, a lot of individuals find out about this and they're like, well, I want to take RDAP because I want to get the time off. Uh, I have an alcohol problem or I have a marijuana problem or I have a prescription pill problem. Nobody takes RDAP because they want to feel better or because they want to change their life. <laughs> they're, they're doing this because they want the time off. Same reason why somebody hires me. They want a shorter sentence. So I understand that going into this. And what I've learned is intentions do not matter. What your intentions are today does not mean this is how you're going to feel six weeks or six months or six years from now. So myself, I took RDAP strictly to get the time off. I didn't care about getting help. I didn't care about feeling better. But two or three months into the program, I started to see changes in my life. I started to see things differently. I started to focus on consequences. I started to change my beliefs. And what I realized is, my intentions slowly changed because the program just changes you. So when somebody hires us and they tell us, yeah, this is all great. Just get me some time, some sentence reduction. And I tell them, look, if you follow the path that we're going to put in place and you do these steps in order, you're more than likely going to see sentence reduction. Fair enough. And they're like, whatever I need to do. So we get them involved in the community. We get them going to schools and speaking to students about the poor choices they made, how they're ultimately probably going to go to prison. And in their mind, initially, they're doing this because, great, I'm getting community service. This is going to look fantastic to the judge. Three weeks, six weeks into it, they all call me and say the same thing. Dan, I've got all these letters that have been sent to me from the school and from children and how they wish their parents had, had heard me talk about this sooner because this 14-year-old kid just had their father sentenced to life in prison. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you how amazing this feels to be able to share this information and get it off of my chest. They don't even realize that they're changing because the process, you know, change is the process. It's not really like some immediate event. You can't say today, I'm going to be sober and stop smoking for the average person anyway. You have right. to put it work and slowly before you know it, you're a different person. And when you look back, you can't even believe who you used to be. Right. Somebody's in a broken mindset today. I realize that there's nothing I'm going to say to you today that's going to fix you or make you better. But if you're willing to come through this journey and take these steps that we put in place, automatically a transition takes place that you start to change and you start to see the light and your intentions change. That's really the only way I can think of describing it. How about people who legit have, you know, Mental, mental health problems before this even happened there, you know, depression, uh, bipolar disorder, whatever it may be. Um, how do you get through someone who's there, their, you know, their depression most likely is going to get worse or panic attacks or whatever it is. They may even get that without having a pre, you know, predisposition to those things. So in what way do you kind of um, tailor it to fit around mental health diagnoses? 
So we work with a couple of mental health specialists. Uh, we do work with a mental health attorney that specializes in, in helping individuals build a case for how mental health played such a role. But somebody that struggles with true addiction, whether it's mental health or substance abuse, mm-hmm. they are going to have the hardest time because there really is no getting better there's dealing with it, there's processing, there's coping mechanisms that they can employ. But if they stop and they take a step back and they stop being active in their sobriety or in their mental health well-being and they think, oh, I have it all figured out, that's when the rug gets pulled. So we see this a lot with uh, our sex offender clients, uh, child pornography cases. Some of them are a little more severe than others with hands-on. And a lot of them are struggling severe mental health issues from what they went through as a child, almost to the point where they're blaming their actions on what happened to them. And as we start working with them and we do some work with their mental health therapist, when we get them engaging into a community of like-minded individuals where they have this safe place to really not necessarily talk about what they did, but talk about the urges that they have and why they do what they do, where it comes from. We start to see this developing progress of holding themselves to a higher standard, giving themselves value. We see that a lot of the mental health clients that we deal with really undervalue themselves to the point where they're almost like, well, what's the point in even trying? Nobody cares about me. They really get this depleted, oh, poor me look at life. And you can't just come to say it. You can't just go to everybody and say, hey, snap out of that. You can't think like that. Even though that might be the ultimate resolve that you're looking for, you have to realize that that person may need additional work versus somebody that just started this, this journey. So it really depends on the situation they're in, but I believe that there is nobody beyond help. And as many times as somebody may fall back and make mistakes and end up getting in trouble again or violating their probation, it doesn't mean that they're damaged goods. It just means that they they stopped practicing what was working for them in the past. Mm, such a great way to look at it. Tell our listeners, and we're, we're going to do an after show kind of breakdown. Listeners, you can check it out on our YouTube channel, Mental Health News Radio Network. And uh, But for now, Dan, tell our listeners where they can find out more information about your program. And also explain, because you had told me about, uh, well, you know what, maybe we'll save this for the YouTube video about how how you work with any type of a client, no matter what their budget is. Let's save that for YouTube. But for now, tell our listeners just where they can find out more about you and the program. Sure. Anybody that's possibly facing a federal or state prison sentence, whether you're indicted, under investigation, and you're really just not sure what to do next, you can find us on YouTube at RDAPDAN. That's R-D-A-P-D-A-N. You can also find us on the web at rdapdan.com. Again, that's R-D-A-P-D-A-N.com. Everybody's absolutely free. My cell phone number, or free to give us a call. My cell phone number is 509-434-4695. Best thing I can say is if you're not sure what to do next, pick up the phone, give us a call. It's not going to cost you anything to find out where your situation is and what could be done. Mm. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on the show. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thank you very much, Kristen. Thank you to our listeners for tuning into another edition of Mental Health News Radio.
I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.